Welcome to a new Europe Monitoring episode by MENA Research Center. Today we reach number three of 2023. So let's start with a topic that is not typical for us. Um, it is about Morocco uh, will be the first Arab country to ship arms to Ukraine. Morocco has so far been neutral in the Ukraine war, but now the kingdom is the first African and Muslim country to deliver battle tanks to Kiev and is clearly taking the side of the attacked state. Those tanks are T-72 tanks that Morocco received from Belarus 30 years ago. The Czech company Excalibur modernized them in December of last year. Each tank now has an improved thermal imaging technology, night vision, armor, and is now already in the front line in Ukraine. At the time, Excalibur said it would send an additional 90 African tanks to Ukraine as part of the build-up based on a US-Dutch funded 2.2 billion Czech Corona, that is nearly 96 million euros deal. Apparently, Morocco is ready to give up more of its approximately 280 Russian-built tanks. For Ukraine, this is a god's end because the delivery also includes spare parts that they urgently need for the large fleet of old Russian and Soviet tanks. For the North African Kingdom, military support for Ukraine is a political about face. In March, the country abstained from voting at the UN General Assembly, condemning Russian aggression in Ukraine. Morocco initially wanted to remain neutral, like many other Arab states. One reason for Morocco's rethinking is likely to be deteriorating relations with Algeria. The neighboring state is a loyal ally of Russia and also a financier of the Polisario Front. Algerian President Abdelmajid Tiboun was unenthusiastic about the US recognition of Morocco's sovereignty over the Western Sahara. Algeria ended diplomatic relations on the grounds of hostile actions by Morocco. This is the only way to avoid a war, Tiboun said. The president also closed the gas pipeline to Morocco, which leads to Spain. Direct air traffic to the neighboring country in Morocco was also cancelled. The last turbulence came on the occasion of the African Nations Cup, which took place in Algeria in January. Tiboun turned down a request from the Moroccan Football Federation to bring his national team to Algeria on a direct Royal Air Maroc flight. Rabat then cancelled his participation in the tournament. Now let's shift to a topic which is quite actual, at least since December 9th of last year, and is called and became famous with the word of Qatargate, because there were now more arrests made of uh, members of the European Parliament. 
The two MEPs, Marc Tarabella and Andrea Cozzolino, have been arrested in the EU corruption scandal. After the Belgian, Tarabella had been arrested in Brussels and interrogated by the public prosecutor's office, the Italian police arrested Cozzolino shortly thereafter. He had been treated in Naples and was taken into custody by the financial police when leaving the hospital, as Italian media reported unanimously. The two MEPs, who were recently expelled from the Social Democrats group and had their immunity revoked by Parliament, are accused of having been paid by third countries. They each protest their innocence. And last December, the EU Parliament was shaken by the corruption scandal involving then-Vice President Eva Kaili. She lost her job on suspicion of corruption. The judiciary charges Kaili and other suspects with involvement in a criminal organization, money laundering and corruption. It is about alleged influence on decisions by Qatar and Morocco. Tarabella was questioned in Brussels by investigators who also searched his office in the European Parliament and other business premises. The investigators also went to Cozzolino's office in Brussels and meanwhile he was taken to a prison in Naples, according to the ANSA news agency, citing legal sources. Both politicians and their possible role in the scandal had been reported since December of last year. At the beginning of February, their immunity was lifted so that the public prosecutor's office in Brussels can start its investigation. Now let's switch over to Austria, um, where the final convictions in the trial of the Vienna terror process were released. Before the verdict was pronounced, the defendants spoke one last time. One of the main defendants, Arjanit F., said, My deepest condolences to the bereaved who have been neglected so far. He spoke of the problem that he used to be brother and brother with everyone and also met many assholes in the process. His car, with which he uh, drove the later assassin to Slovakia, was, he called it, his pride, a dream that he was able to fulfill with jobs alongside his apprenticeship. He doesn't want to have known the terrorists that well, on top of that, he was a very reserved character, he said. Had he known about the attack plans, I would have reported it, but something like that. The two accused, Ismail B. and Burak K., decided not to say anything more. The fourth accused, Heidayatollah Z., picked up the microphone again. I have a criminal record. I made mistakes, he said. It was about assault, robbery and drugs. Terrorist crimes have not been an issue so far. He also doubted his DNA traces, which were secured on all weapons. I am innocent, Zed told the jury. He did not mention the attack with a syllable. 
The fifth defendant, the arms broker Adam M., in turn certainly never claims to have had anything to do with terrorism, nor will I, he said. Neither the FBI nor the Office for the Protection of the Constitution in Austria found anything about it. He was security, guarded Hollywood stars and hospitals, worked at Raiffeisen as an event manager and set up barricades at marathons so that no car could pass. Had I known what he, he meant the assassin, was capable of, I would never have passed the damn number on. The assassin childhood friend Ishak F. concluded the closing round. F. ultimately put the line to the accused Adam M. from prison. I have to live with it, thank you. An investigative report on the Islamist attack in 2021 revealed serious failures by the Austrian security authorities. According to the first report by a government investigative committee, the authorities had missed several opportunities to recognize the danger posed by the later assassin and to react to it. After the young Islamist was released from prison in December 19, it took until October of the next year for a risk assessment to be completed, the report said. Accordingly, the 20-year-old from North Macedonia posed a high risk. He had been sentenced to the previous prison term for attempting to travel to Syria to fight alongside IS. However, he did not have to serve the full 22-month sentence and in early December 2019 he was released early from prison after apparently feigning successful participation in a so-called de-radicalization program. The authors of the report criticized the fact that almost 10 months had elapsed before the risk assessment was carried out. The threat had already become clear in July when he met well-known German and Swiss Islamists. According to the report, the Vienna State Office for the Protection of the Constitution and Counterterrorism blamed a lack of resources and overwork for the delay. France, where an international conference in Paris took place, which want to support Lebanon, while Qatar is seen as a source of instability in the country. In Paris, delegations from six countries wanted to find a way out of the political and financial crisis that has gripped Lebanon since 2019. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the US and France are likely to put heavy pressure behind closed doors on government officials and the delegations of the various political camps from Lebanon. Because the current political vacuum is preventing the drastic economic reforms demanded by the International Monetary Fund. The Lebanese pound has lost more than 95% of its value in only three years. 
At the last international Lebanon conference convened by French President Emmanuel Macron in Beirut, the participating countries pledged a 370 million US dollar in humanitarian aid. The whereabouts of the funds is largely unclear. According to a recent study by the World Bank, more than 70% of the 5.6 million Lebanese live below the poverty line in their homeland and have less than $14 a day. But since former President Michel Aoun left the presidential palace in October at the end of his mandate, political apathy has prevailed. Many Lebanese try to emigrate because of the daily power cuts lasting several hours and the loss of their savings. Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states have scaled back investments and political ambitions. The exception is Qatar, which, alongside the former colonial power France, has blossomed into the most influential power broker in Lebanon. Lebanese politicians regularly travel to the capital of Qatar in Doha, which has also paid the poorly equipped Lebanese army several times. The state-owned energy giant Qatar Energy took over the Russian stake in a consortium of companies that intends to extract gas off the Lebanese coast in the future. With rare unity, the otherwise hostile political camps approved a contract with Israel for production from the huge gas field last year. Qatar's engagement is changing the complicated balance of power in the multi-religious state. While Saudi Arabia openly supported the Sunni militias and parties and fought the influence of the Iran-friendly Shia Hezbollah militia, Qatar is considered a partner of Iran and Hezbollah. So folks, that's all for today with our Europe Monitoring Edition number 3 of 2023. Um, I hope you're going to have a nice rest of the week uh, and you're going to have the same blue sky as we have it here in Vienna. So, hear you soon. All the best from MENA Research Centre.